I'm Pastor Ben. I'm the youth pastor here. I have the privilege of uh, preaching this morning. Uh, we're talking about uh, God's presence among his people. We're talking about the tabernacle, where we are in the story. Uh, the, the people of Israel have been brought out of slavery. Uh, they were in slavery for a little over 400 years. They've been brought out. God miraculously delivered them. Uh, and uh, they're kind of in, in, in the desert, and God starts speaking to them, starts speaking to Moses and saying, this is, this is what I want. Uh, this, this is how I'm going to set you apart to be a distinct people. We went over the Ten Commandments and talked about how uh, these, are, these are the things that are going to make you distinct among the nations. This is the, the people are going to look at you and say, this is a distinct people group. This is what, this is what sets them apart. Uh, and, and then we, we go a little further in the story, and God says, I want you to build me a house. I want you to build me a house because I want to dwell among you. And in the midst of God saying, I, 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 want, I want you to build me a house so I can dwell among you, in the midst of that, right in the middle of it, God, they just saw this miraculous thing happen, this miraculous God set them free, this miraculous uh, his provision for them, his, his miraculous thing all around them, in the middle of, right in the middle of it, they go and worship another God. Very unfaithful. But right in the middle of that, God is gracious. Right in the middle of that, he, he, God's having this conversation with, with Moses and saying, I'm about to destroy these people. And Moses pleads, no, Lord, no, no, please. And really what it comes down to wasn't, wasn't about the, the one thing. The one thing Moses pleaded was, please, let your presence dwell among us. Let your presence dwell with us. Let your presence come. Let your presence be with us. It's your presence with us is what's going to set us apart from everybody and everything else. It's your presence. So, we're talking about the tabernacle I can remember one of my uh, Bible school professors saying, if you can't preach the tabernacle, you probably shouldn't be preaching. Uh, I, I can remember he, he very, uh, each, each part of the tabernacle, each element of the tabernacle points to Jesus. Each part of the tabernacle points back to the Garden of Eden. Each, each element, there's all kinds of stuff. It goes on in the tabernacle, and as I was preparing and thinking about it and getting excited for it, and, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to talk about my generosity. I was like, wait, no, 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 tabernacle. We're talking about tabernacle. We're talking about God dwelling among us, God being with us, God's, God, and, and I felt like the Lord said, if, if they didn't actually build the house, I mean, let's look at a couple scriptures here. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel, bring me their sacred offerings accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them that's where we get hearts moved from those whose hearts are moved now what would have happened if if moses gave this command i, I want you to bring sacred offerings and if you look at the list of the, the things he was telling them to bring was gold silver all this precious stones all this sacred uh sacred thread and all this beautiful, precious things. What, what, what would have happened if nobody's heart was moved? I don't know. 
We don't, we don't know. But I'm just saying, what, what, it, was, it was their heart being moved towards something. There was their heart being moved toward God. It was, their, it was God coming to them, the, the presence of God coming and dwelling among them. It was what moved their heart. So when we talk about the, the generosity of God and God's coming to be with us and coming to dwell among us comes from a place like, look what it says, then, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Have them make a sanctuary. Make a sanctuary for me and I'll dwell among them. So was it the sanctuary that was, got them all excited? It was God dwelling among them is what got them excited, Right? That's what caused generosity. That's what caused uh, them to get excited and start bringing stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it a little more. Psalm 69, 69.9 says, Zeal for your house consumes me. Psalm 132, Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed the mighty one of Israel, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep, nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the money one of Israel. It was the house. I'm building a house. We're building the house, the, the, the place for the Lord to dwell. We're building the house because it's not about the house. It's about the dwelling. It's about God coming and being with his people. It's about God's presence coming, right? Uh here we go. All right. Make a sanctuary and I'll dwell in it. So we're going to talk about some, some things. The, the motive of generosity this morning. Uh, it just Before we get there, I just want to go to Exodus 35. Exodus 35. So this is this is uh, so in, in Exodus 20 25 uh, is when the instructions come to Moses saying let the people be generous and this this in Exodus 35 is kind of their uh, response to it and what what happened. Uh, it says Moses said to the whole Israelite community, "This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take among." Take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who, who, who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red and hides of sea, cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil from the fragrant incense, the onyx stones, the other gems to be mounted on the, on the ephod and the breast, breast piece. All the skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasp frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The ark with its poles and the atonement to cover the, the curtains and the shield that shields it. The table with its poles and all, all the, the articles of the bread of the presence. The lampstand and, that is the light and the accessories, the lamps for the oil to the light, the altar of incense with, with its poles, the anointing oil with its fragrance and incense, the oil and the fragrant 
uh, incense, the curtain and the doorway, the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze uh, <clears throat> grating of poles and utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains for the courtyard and with its post base and the curtain for the entrance to the... You guys get the, get the point? There was a whole bunch of stuff they were bringing, right? Uh, the whole Israelite committee withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved to come and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service and all its sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold and jewelry and all kinds of brooches and earrings and, and ornaments. They all presented the, the gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, and, or scarlet yarn or fine linens and goat hair and he lists the thing again, and, and everybody, they're, they're, they're coming in this, this place, and it's, and it's exciting, and it's, woo, we get to contribute to God's house. There's an excitement. There's an excitement of God's about to dwell among us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, there's a, there's a couple things that, uh, really get my heart stirred when I'm when I'm I, I can be I was we were at uh, the the new Rocky movie okay uh, Creed two anybody seen it yet uh, we're all watching the new Rocky movie and in the Rocky movie he's kind of uh, it's a it's a guy flick right uh, no it's a love story yes. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so at, at the end of Rocky, it, it shows Rocky come and meet his his uh, son, who's he's been estranged with, and his grandson, who he's never met before. Uh, and he and he meets them, and and here's this like this guy movie, punching, fighting, whatever. And all of a sudden, it, it's it's Rocky, this father and son reconciling. And all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> ah. See, there's something about when, when you see a, a father and son and the heart of a father turned to a son and the f- heart of a son turned to a father, there's something that wrecks me. There's something that wrecks me when, when I see, uh, when I see the, the Bible talks about uh, fathers and sons reconciling and coming together. And there's something about when I see that, it, it messes my heart up. And I think because it's an expression of the love of God. I think because it, it does something, uh, it, it, it moves something in me because it, it's the, the heart of God being expressed, right? Weddings. Weddings is the heart of God being expressed. Whoa, man. Uh, I, I think another thing that, that my heart gets messed up is when I see somebody be generous. When I see somebody be, be generous beyond their means, or I see somebody be generous, there, there's something inside of me that's like, oh man, that's... Because I think it expresses something about the heart of God. I think it expresses something. It, when you see somebody in, in dire need, all of a sudden somebody come in and meet that need. You know, it, does that mess anybody else up? It messes me up. I can be on, be on, get stuck in the YouTube web or something, and all of a sudden you see one of those... Uh, social experiment of we're gonna give this homeless guy a bunch of pizzas or something. I don't whatever. It's it messes my heart up. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. 
We're going to talk about motive of, genera- motive of generosity. Uh, just, I- I'm saying the motive of generosity when it comes to being a Christian is different. Because there can be, you can be a heathen, you can be far from God, you could not want anything to do with God and be generous. Right? There's some very generous billionaires out there that don't want anything to do with God. Right? What is it about us that makes us different in our generosity? What is it about the motive that makes us different? It's, it's the motive of our generosity that's completely different from the world. The motive of our generosity, it, the, the world says... I'm going to give because I want a name for myself. I'm going to give because uh, I want people to think I'm cool. I'm going to give because whatever the motive is, there's all kinds of motives. But for us, the motive is, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God, and that's what we are. That word lavish, that word lavish is generosity, is giving, his I'm pouring it out on you. I'm giving you my love. That word lavish, uh, I'll look it up. It's actually one of the words translated as wasteful. His love is so, I mean, mean, if that's not the picture of the gospel right there. He loves you so much that he's willing to waste. He's willing to waste it on you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were far from God, while the people of Israel were far from God, not wanting anything to do with him and, and rebelling against him, and he's, he's coming and he's lavishing his love and he's giving his love and he's giving of himself and he's giving out of, generous, out of generosity and he's giving, woo, he's giving it from this place of, and when we see the, the generosity of God, it motivates us, right? That's part of the motivation. It's part, part of the motivation. What motivates our heart is seeing what God has done for us. Right? We heard a testimony from Stan this morning who was, uh, I, I was in the, in the hospital praying. Where is he? Oops. There he is. We're so glad you're here, man. I remember Stan getting up after, after like, what, what were we down to? 120 pounds. He was a stick when he came back. I remember him getting up, just sharing his heart. And, and, and it was for a while after that. For a while after that, it was every time, every time Stan would speak, he was remembering everything God had done for him. And he would be in tears and he'd be, oh man. And if, I, I don't know anybody. Stan's a generous guy. Because he's motivated by the generosity of Jesus. He's motivated by the generosity of God. God's law was given so that all the people could see how sinful they were, but the people sinned more. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. You cannot outsend the grace of God. The more you sin, the more God's grace has for you. More and more sin, sin, darkness came, the more and more God's grace abound. Man, when we know and understand what Jesus has done for us, when we understand, how could we not be generous? For God so loved the world, he gave. 
part of who he is. It's part of his nature. This is Deuteronomy 15. Uh, it actually, if you wouldn't mind turning there. Sometime this next next year, we'll we'll get to Deuteronomy, but I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Sorry. Deuteronomy 15, starting in verse 4. However, there should be no poor among you. For the land is yours as God has given you to possess your inheritance. He will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and have care, are, are careful to follow all that he commands. I'm giving you all, all these commands I'm giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you and he has, as he has promised. And you will lend to many nations and will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but, not, but none will rule over you. If there is a poor man among you, among your brothers in any of the towns in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward the poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend to whoever has, he has, who has need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year uh, talks about canceling debt. The year of Jubilee, uh, <clears throat> he may then appeal to the Lord against you and will, you will be found guilty of sin. Verse 10, give generously to him and do, do with so without grudging a grudging heart. And because the Lord your God will bless you in your work and everything you put your hand to. There will always be a poor man in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brother and toward the poor and needy in your land. Be open-handed. Be open-handed. Be open Open heart. Be willing. Be, uh, and he's warning them and telling them in verse 13. It says, Do not send him away empty-handed. Give him of a generous farewell gift from your flock. He's talking about uh, somebody who served you for six years. Uh, your threshing floor and your wine press. Share with him of your bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. He's saying, and he's pointing the people of Israel back to their time in Egypt and saying, remember you were a slave? Remember you were a slave? Remember, remember how brutal and awful it was? Remember how I came and delivered you? He's pointing back to his generosity toward them and, and getting them out of where they came from and saying, everything you have was mine anyway. Everything you have, I was, I was graciously giving to you. Remember, you were a slave. And if that's, again, a picture of the gospel. We were slaves to sin. He set us free, right? He set us free. We can look back to our life of sin and look back to what he set us free from and say, man, how could I not be generous? How can I not how can I not express, man? All he's given to me, all he's blessed us, all he set us free from. He's saying, look back at what I set you free from. Remember that. And I'm telling you, you, you remember what I set you free from. I, I'm giving you this command. That's why I'm giving you this command. Be generous.
Want to talk about lavish love? Came in to dwell among us. God so loved the world he gave. So number one, we love or we, we're generous, and the motive of our generosity is because he's lavished on us. Because he's wasted on us. Because he's given to us. He's poured out to us. He's given so much to us. How can we not give back? Secondly, uh, part of the way, one of the reasons of our motive, our, our motive to give, motive of generosity, secondly, is because it it's all belongs to him anyway. Right? It's when we think we own it, that's when it's hard to give. Is when we think we own it and we have control over it. That's when it's. We we look at that Deuteronomy fifteen or Deuteronomy fifteen passage. It says, "Don't give grudgingly or heart tight fistedly or grievingly." It's when we think we own it. That's when we give. It's hard to give, right? When we think we own it, it's it's hard to be generous. It's, when we think we own it, it's hard. I worked hard for this. God's saying, no, everything you have is mine. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. He thinks he owns it. Every animal in the forest is mine, the cattle of a thousand hills. Everything, I own it all. And I'm going to trust you messed up, broken people to be stewards of what I've given you. Stewards of my stuff. I'm going to trust you to be a steward of what, I've, of what belongs to me. You know what part of the obedience, that we walk in obedience and we walk in like, Lord, we, we can get all kind of weirded out and all kinds of like weird theological teachings of give and you'll ministry, I'll give to our ministry and you'll be blessed and whatever. There's all kinds of things people think and I don't have to tithe and I don't have to. Uh, we'll get there. Never mind. Uh, so this, this was David's kind of farewell prayer. He's, got, he's before the whole assembly. He says, wealth and honor come from you. You, the ruler of all things, in your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise for your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have been, give, been given only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and tra- strangers in your sight, and we're all, as we're all our ancestors. Your days on earth are like a shadow with, without hope. Lord, I got all, all this abundance that has been provided for building your temple, for your holy name, comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. So this, this was David's farewell, but it was also, uh, he had given equivalent to billions of dollars for the, the building of the temple of God. And he's saying, this all comes from you, it's all for you, it's all... If anybody could have looked at, at the, all the things they accomplished and all the things they got done, it would have been David. Right? But David's saying, no, it all came from God, it's all 
for him. It's all for his glory. It's all... The motive of generosity is it's because of what he's he, because of his generosity to us, and because he owns it all anyway. Right. The measurement of generosity. God's measurements are not our measurements. We look at this this woman who puts two mites in a. In the offering, you look at Jesus was watching people put money in the offering. Also, he sees this woman put two mites in the offering, and she says, she's given more than anybody else. It's not about the quantity. It's not about, it's about your heart, right? Money has a way of showing what, what's really in our heart, doesn't it? The measurement of generosity so each, each, each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That word cheerfully, if you look it up, actually means hilarious. God loves a person who gives hilariously. What does a hilarious giver look like? <laughs> What's a hilarious giver look like? Well, I, I don't really know, but I, I, I do know it's about the heart. I know Jesus over and over talked and preached. When he was preaching, when he was preaching, the Sermon on the Mount was all about the heart. Jesus preached about money a lot. Because he said, we'll go to the next one. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You don't need a spiritual gifts test to tell you where your heart is. Hello? Hello? oftentimes we, we, we kind of reverse this, this passage and we say, where your heart is, there your money's going to go. So my heart is in something, I'm giving it. I'm giving money to that. Actually, it's the other way around. It's where your treasure is, where you invest, where you put your money, where you put your generosity, where you give, your heart follows. Yes, I, I think there, there's a little bit of uh, which came first, chicken or the egg, uh, but I'm telling you, what happens when we give and we're generous and we give to something, you look at somebody who's never cared about stocks in their life, all of a sudden they invest in a stock market, all of a sudden they pay attention and they listen and they watch. Right? Because where your treasure is, what you give to, what you invest in, your heart's going to follow. I, it was a few months back, I, I preached the message about, about uh, connecting the disconnected. Anybody remember that one? When uh, we talked about how... Often, all of us feel like everybody else in the world is connected, and I'm not. And when we talk about, like, everyone else in, in the church has deep, meaningful relationships and friendships, and uh, everyone in the church is so connected and tight, and I'm just the outsider. Right? All of us have that feeling at times. Even, even youth pastors can feel that way. And, and we talk about, and I got, got thinking and wondering, I wonder if part of the disconnect is because we've never invested. I wonder if part of the I feel disconnected is because we've never put our treasure there. I wonder if, I wonder what would happen if we took this scripture 
invested something. So I think I think the the world and oftentimes and that's part of even what I struggled with when I was talk, thinking about what preaching on generosity really come on because it, it can be so there, there there's in this room a hundred different mindsets of of how money is supposed to work and are we supposed to give to the church and how are we not and how we do and we get so caught up in the and what is a tithe really and, and is it eight percent twelve ten percent is it ten percent to the local church is it this is that and we get so muddied the water when jesus says it's really all about the heart it's a and and giving is a, is a way of dealing with the selfishness of our heart generosity is a way of dealing with the selfishness the sin nature of our heart generosity is is, is a way of dealing with I want what's mine. I'm doing what's mine. I'm doing what's best for me. I'm doing what's best for my family. I'm doing what's... Generosity has a way of diffusing that. The world, the world thinks and, and says, the, the, the church just wants my money. No, we want a lot more than that. We're not interested in your money. If we're interested in so, God is so much interested in so much more than your money. Your money has a way of saying this. This is what I belong to. This is where my heart is. This is where my treasure is. This is where my. You understanding? You don't need a spiritual gifts test to tell you where you're at with the Lord. Just look at your checkbook. Are you generous? God is not interested in your money. He doesn't need your money. He owns everything anyway, right? It's about obedience. It's about where your heart is. It's about, yeah. He doesn't want or need your money. He wants your heart. He wants your time. He wants your talent. He wants your treasure. He wants who you are. He wants your dreams. He wants your vision. He wants, he wants all of you. Part of all of you, money has a way of telling us where our heart is. You look at the, the woman who came and anointed Jesus' feet, Mary. Judas is like, ah, oh, that would have been a year's wages. We should have taken that money and given it to the poor. She's like, you don't care about the poor. Really? So I'm telling you, when, when we, you look at Mary, it was a couple months prior to that, her brother had been raised from the dead. It was a couple months prior to that, her brother had been raised from the dead. And all of a sudden she comes and she worships and she lays it at Jesus' feet and she, right? When you, and when you see somebody give generously and when you see somebody give without restraint and when you see somebody give like sacrificially, remember I told you the, certain things mess me up, mess my heart up? When I see somebody give sacrificially, showing me a part of God's heart. 
And oftentimes we think like this, this woman came and gave sacrificially and she gave so extravagantly and she gave so lavishly and she gave so... And we start muddying the water and say, why would you waste money on something like that? So the motive of generosity is, is because of his generosity toward us and it's all his anyway. The measurement of generosity is about the heart. The method of giving, the method of generosity. Simple. Right? Uh, Galatians 6.10 says it like this. Therefore, as you have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Acts 2, 44 to 45, and those, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Uh, we'll get to the second part of that in a minute. But simple, we, we're sharing together. We're, we're, uh, and, and I'm telling you, as the building person, there's certain things we have to do on this building that's not real fun to talk about. We've got to fix a roof. Right? I, I just, I have a, oh, my Bible. Uh, this is a, a book called Deep and Wide. It's uh, Andy Stanley from, from uh, Atlanta. He has a big, big church, 25,000 people, 35,000 people, whatever it is. Uh, this book talks about kind of their journey as a church. And this is one of the things he says in one of the chapters. Uh, and, and I think it, pertains to, to some that I want, want to hit on. So uh, several years ago, Sandra and I visited a friend who had recently transitioned to the West Coast. Don't you love it when friends move to places you actually want to visit? We arrived on Thursday. Sean informed me that he was joining a Friday morning men's group and wondered if I would like to tag along. Seeing as my internal clock would probably wake me up around 5 a.m. Anyway, I agreed to go. The study was held at a local church not the one they were currently attending. If you're like me, the minute you step on a church campus, you start evaluating and looking at ideas to borrow. While I didn't see much worth borrowing, there was much to evaluate. The group met in a medium-sized assembly hall with wall of windows on one side and a bank of classroom down the other. The first thing I noticed was the smell. The room smelled like old. The second thing that caught my attention was the clutter. Stuff was scattered everywhere, Sunday school literature, Bibles, hymnals, umbrellas. There, were all, there was even a llama grazing on Cheerios in the corner. Uh, the, the blinds uh, were half of the half dozen windows were all pulled to varying heights and lengths. And they were, the bulletin board was, was half dozen flyers randomly tacked to it, half of which were torn. The wall, colored, the wall color was bad. The carpet needed replacing. Did I mention the smell? And no, there really wasn't a llama in the corner. This was... Adult Sunday school assembly place. Grown-ups met in this room. For Bible study, after being in the environment in less than a minute, I knew one thing was certain. The people who met in this room on Sundays have met there for so long they don't even see it anymore. The room is invisible to them. It's not that they enjoy clutter, they don't see it. But a newcomer who notices immediately as I certainly did, the real tragedy from my perspective is that the adult ministry environment taught a series of lessons Sunday school, the Sunday school department was not aware of. Number one, we aren't expecting guests. 
Number two, what we're doing is not that important. Number three, we don't expect somebody to clean up after us. Number four, we don't take pride in our church. Think I'm being too harsh? Hoping I don't visit your church anytime soon? Uh, if, if so, this might be the most important section of the book for you to digest and then teach your team. But before we jump into that content, one more story. For the, the first three and a half years at North Point, met Sunday nights in a rented facility. Not fun. But it gave me an opportunity to visit other churches Sunday mornings. Honestly, I was consistently underwhelmed. Uh, our most stressful and disappointing experience took place at a church touted for its children's ministry. We arrived about 20 minutes before the service was scheduled to begin. Andrew was, Andrew was with us. He had, he had just turned three. We had to ask twice where to define the children's area. Signage was almost non-existent. Somewhere, fi- someone finally pointed us to, to, the, to the door. Uh, we peeked in, and only the person in the room was a man who looked to be in his late 20s. When, we saw, when he saw us, he came to the door with a big smile on his face, a little too big for me. Uh, we told him this was our first visit. He assured us that we were in the right place, and he invited Andrew into the room. That's when I noticed the back door standing open, which led what looked to an outdoor playground. But it's hard to tell exactly where it led. Sandra asked if we needed to fill out any paperwork. He just looked a bit confused and said we didn't, and he hoped we enjoyed the service. Then we turned and went on, began, uh, turned and went, then he turned and went over and began talking to Andrew. We just stood there both thinking the same thing, but neither of us wanted to say it out loud. I ignored our raging parental instincts as we headed off to big church. During the second song, Sandra turned to me and asked, do you feel okay about Andrew's situation? I assured her that I did not and that it was all I had been thinking about since we left the classroom. She immediately slid out of her row and headed back to the children's wing. I took every ounce of self-control I had to not follow. A few minutes later, she came back and informed me that there was, in fact, another adult in the room along with a dozen or more children. If you have children, I bet you weren't surprised to know that we never visited that church again. Worse is that only thing I remember about our visit, every time someone mentions the name of that church, the only thing I think about is that incident. I, was the fir- I will be the first to admit our experience couldn't possibly be the norm, but, it's, but I still wouldn't go back. That was 17 years ago. Similar to my previous story, the church taught several lessons they, did, they didn't intend to teach. Number one, we don't expect new families. We have the same kids every week. Number two, if there's an emergency, we don't plan to notify you. Number three, if your children's security is not our your children's security is not our primary concern. Number four, our volunteers don't understand the way parents think, or they're untrained. The one thing these two stories had in common is that neither of my assessment had anything to do with the preaching. If your response to my assessments, Andy, you're being you're not being fair. You shouldn't judge judge a church based on one visit. You'd be correct. My assessment isn't fair, and that's my point. Every Sunday, people walk onto your campus and determine whether or not they will return the following week before your preacher ever opens his mouth. That's not fair, but it's true. The moral of the story, environments matter. So in this section, I'm going to teach you everything we learned about creating irresistible ministry environments. Here we go. Uh, You want me to keep reading, or we good? Okay. you can, you can have this later. Uh, the point is, if we don't take care of our building, what message are we sending to the next generation? If we're not, like, I really don't, I'm not interested in taking uh, an offering for the next 20 years to, 
try to get money so we can do the roof. I mean, we need to take care of the building we have. It's a, a big expense. I hate it. But it's, it's real life and it's practical. Right? I could try to spiritualize it and say this is God's house and we need to take care of God's house and, and look at these people and how they gave. and uh, We can be all gimmicky and try to do things to get, get, you, get people to give. But really, when it, when it comes down to it, it's the Spirit of God moving on somebody's heart. When God's, God's Spirit moves in someone's heart and moves in their life, they're going to be generous. And you're going to see the roof is not just a huge expense we need to take care of. And like, God, I want, I want us to, to touch your heart and understand the vision for this, this building and understand the vision for this house. We're Bethel, house of God. Okay, all right, sorry. Simple giving, spontaneous giving, spontaneous. Acts 4, 34 and 35, there were no needy people among them because those who are on land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give, it, give to those in need. Just think of a community where that would be the case. Nobody had need. Because somebody's need is my need. I'm not trying to give this message to say you guys are doing a horrible job at giving. We're in such such dire needs. and I'm not trying to beg, beg and plead for God what's already belongs to him. But spontaneous, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen you guys do it. I've seen you guys, I mean, just just recently. Uh, we, it was last May. Last May, our our van broke down on the way to on our way to uh, the convention up in Winnipeg. Our van went to be with Jesus, <laughs> and uh. And then Bob stepped in and gave us his little Toyota Echo. I don't know if you know a Toyota Echo. It's like a dinky little go-kart of a car. And, was, and me and my family were... <laughs> it's an awesome car, man. <laughs> me and my family, if we wanted to go anywhere, we had to drive two cars. And it was like, oh, this is annoying. It was whatever. We're grateful. Man, it's, Bob has been so generous to us. And then... Uh, it started getting to be a little bit of a problem, and 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 Steve and Jan were like, oh, "We're gonna, we're talking about give, giving us their, their van," and and then in the middle of that, Andy and Beth Mork got a. I'm sorry if I'm giving you all the names and all the stuff. This is a cool story of what happened to us just recently of somebody's spontaneous generosity. Uh, so in the middle of Steve and Jan talking about, like, should we give them our van? And uh, I, I don't know. In the middle of that, uh, Andy and Beth got a new vehicle, and they put on Facebook, anybody interested in a, a Toyota Sienna, talk to us. And I texted him. I said, hey, is that Sienna still available? And he's like, yes. And I have a youth pastor special for you. And I was like, <laughs> yes. But this is a cool thing. I went and it was like, a couple of days later, he came and told Steve, and I'm like, yeah, we got a van. This is amazing. And he got more excited than I was. 
he was like, yes, that's awesome. Because it's a newer van and it's better and it's nicer. Woo! And, and like that's the joy of spontaneous giving. This is the joy of like we get to do this together, okay? Uh, nobody had needs. It was awesome. Secret giving. Secret giving. Uh, who do you thank? Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> good, Isaiah. That's awesome. <clears throat> Anybody been, been tight squeezed and you don't know where like stuff's coming from and all of a sudden you get a random gift? And you're like trying to investigate who did this come from? Who's the handwriting? Uh, I don't know. Thank you, Lord. Secret giving points to Jesus, right? Man, time is getting away. But then when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your, your giving may be done in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Secret giving, it's awesome. Sacrificial. Uh and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up with rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave as much as they were able and then beyond their ability, <clears throat> entirely of their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us, we urged Titus just as he had earlier come, made from the beginning and bring the completion, the act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and love, look what it says. See, you also excel in this grace of giving. And it's talking about the grace of sacrificial giving. He said, let us not be a community of believers and a community that meets together and we're really good at knowledge and we're really good at earnestness and we're good at speech and we're good at, at uh, being together and we love one another, but let it, let it not be not rounded out by generosity and giving and blessing and taking care of each other. Most of us have no idea what this Macedonian church was going through. So they're going through severe trials, severe poverty. Look what it says there. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know that the grace God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of very severe trial, their overwhelming joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And they welled up, and it came to this place where we don't got nothing. But we, we have, we can care for each other. What can I do? How can I help? What can I, how can I serve? How can I do this? I've been to Macedonia. They still have that attitude. They still have the attitude of what can, we have nothing. Spend a time with the gypsy people in Macedonia. God's doing amazing things. But I'm telling you, the same heart and the same attitude is still with them today.
So this goes back to uh, Exodus. They received from all Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry. This is people's hearts being moved. This is the stuff they brought. Worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. Uh, they brought to carry out the work construction of the sanctuary, and the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing the work in the, in the, on the sanctuary were left to what they were doing and said to Moses, they left their work, they said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord had commanded to be done. Then Moses gave the order and they sent the word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else of the offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing more because they already had was more than enough to do all the work. I've never been at a church, never been at a church where overwhelming generosity and gratitude and I'm going to pour it back to I've never been in a church where we said, we have enough, stop giving. These were not like puny little things. I know this this message, I'm, I'm sharing this message to encourage and build and encourage us to be generous and encourage us to go into the Christmas season, it's better to give than to receive. Right? I want to like have hidden motives and we're going to take receive another offering and we're going to... I just know when you understand God's heart and God's generousness, when you understand the generosity of God, it does something to your heart. I think you could look at our church and, and we've been around going on 90 years. 90 years. And there was some little old women back in the day who invested in us right now. Who kept this church afloat by tithing double or triple. Some little old women back in the day. What are we as a church going to invest in? Are you investing in something that's 90 years from now? Are you investing in something that's for the next generation, for your great-grandchildren? Are you investing? So, really, this message is an invitation to be to see the generosity of God and for us in return and response to be generous and not just in our giving but be generous in our in our worship to be generous in our families to be generous with our time I'm going to just invite us to meditate for a moment on the lavish, love, crazy love of God. Then I'm going to ask you to respond, whatever that looks like.
If it's going to somebody getting generous people, have an awareness of people around them. Generous people, part of the challenge for us is paying attention to others around us. Paying attention to others that are not as well off as us. Paying attention to others that are going through hard times. Paying attention to others that are, this season is super hard for them. Paying attention to somebody who's here that really, everything in them doesn't want to be here right now. Becoming others focused. Part of becoming others focused happens when we spend time in the presence of Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to do that right now. We want to join you in that reckless love. We want to join you in that in that place. Lord, we want to see and experience your reckless love for us, but as we see and experience it, give it to others. Give it away. Give it away. God, that we'd have that same attitude. There's nothing that's going to come in the way of us loving somebody generously. Ah. God, you're so good. You've been so generous to us. Lord, we thank you for your generosity. Help us support back on you and minister to you. Lord, would you help us to steward what you've given us and steward it well? Steward this building. God, that you would make your home here. That you wouldn't just come and visit occasionally, but God, you would dwell here in our midst. And that's what would make us a distinct people. In Jesus' name. Uh, I just want to uh, also, I know this, this message for, for some of you is, is really hard. For some of you, you can't even think about generosity because your finances are a mess. And you've made some poor decisions. You've got credit up to your eyeballs. You're, and this is not a happy message for you. Uh, I, I want you to know, our, our, myself, Pastor Steve, Pastor Andrew, whoever, come talk to us. We want to get you help so that you can live in that place of generosity. You can live in that place of blessing others. You can live in that place of giving and and there's something that happens when we live in that place of I, I get to be a part of something God's doing and I get to give and I get to be a part of his kingdom and woo it actually generates excitement and it generates and we want you to be able to experience that right and we have people here we have people here that are finance experts and are and we have people here that are like diligent about their money so that they can give generously uh, we have people that, that would love to help you and would love to, in very practical ways, help you make some... I, I mean, we talk about finance. Finance is a hard thing to talk about. But, 
maybe the generosity of our church is being stifled because you're not sharing your need. Don't let the pride of the needy come in the way. I mean, we're talking super practical. You need help. You need somebody to sit down with you and say, these are some decisions you need to make. Because we want everybody to be able to join in that generosity, in that spirit, in that, yes, look what God's doing. I get to join and be a part of it and get behind it. And I'm believing God for some cool testimonies from this. And then we can pay our roof off in no time. So I know last week, last week we, we uh, dismissed everybody and nobody left. Uh, and I think there was uh, kind of a hunger for more. And I feel like we need to keep that. If you need to go, go. Get your children. But we're going to leave this in an atmosphere of worship and prayer. We're going to leave this in an atmosphere of, you want to go deeper with the Lord? You want to go and be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that you're a living Savior, that you live and move among your people. Thank you that you hear the cries of our hearts. Thank you that you're a God of life. Thank you that you're a God of complete sufficiency. Help us trust and give ourselves to you more fully in every way. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.